It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a, a sports, sports rush, rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The And it's an unfamiliar voice. I'm not Brett Rump, but it is the Sports Rush here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Derek Decker filling in for Brett this afternoon as the Dons making their latest road trip off to take on Northern Kentucky tomorrow night. Adam Lundy is here as well, and we've got a packed show ahead. Plenty of storylines to talk about with the Pacers. Rick Carlisle getting tossed last night. We've got Purdue basketball to break down. Fewer storylines with it because Purdue is off to a terrific start and continues to dominate in the Big Ten. This is one of their most dominant stretches ever in a title chase in the Big Ten, and they're still not even in first place. Hard to believe that. But there's no denying that they are the best team in the Big Ten. We'll talk to Rob Blackman, the Purdue voice, uh, radio voice, coming up in the second hour of today's show just after 5 o'clock. And uh, we've also got other things to talk about with my level of expertise. You folks had to deal with me in the morning earlier this week and late last week. And that is uh, sometimes a little too much IU basketball talk, so I'll keep that to a minimum today. (laughs) But I'll try to plot out a very unlikely, improbable, but not impossible path to the tournament for Indiana basketball. They've got some things to figure out and stuff to turn around, and they perhaps are the most out-of-sorts team in the Big Ten, save for only the Michigan Wolverines, who got dominated at Mackey Arena last night. Now, plenty of teams have done that, but Michigan's a mess. And we'll try to answer the question, is Juwan Howard potentially on the extremely hot seat and done after the end of this season. We have so much to talk about. And, Adam, we start with this. Last night, you got a chance. First of all, folks, you you just – there is no reason. We we have to take a moment of recognition here and recognize Adam Lundy's talents. He sits on the other side of the mic, (laughs) chips in now and then, and uh, gets the dirty work running the board all the time. But uh, showcase your analyst talent last night. We had Norwell and Lures down in Ossian. Terrific game. Lures won on a shot with just a couple seconds left by uh, Draylon Truesdale. The Twins were impressive last night in a lower-scoring game, but really fun. Took them down in a two-point win at Norwell. And, uh, yeah, Adam, initial thoughts. I loved working with you on my end, but uh, your initial thoughts on the first broadcast in basketball. A lot of fun last night, Derek. Really appreciate you allowing me to join you there on color as Norwell took the game they're down. They didn't take it, but they had the game last night against Bishop Lures, a really close game. What a way to be introduced to the world of high school basketball. Uh, calling a game is uh, really, like you said, it wasn't a high scoring game, but it didn't need to be to be exciting whatsoever. That's exactly right. It was fun and it sets up storylines here in the Summit City with 
Bishop Lewers matching up with Wayne this weekend. You'll hear that here on 1380 The Fan on Friday night. Michael McIntyre will have the call. And then the postgame show is live from the Wayne Dale Pizza. So exciting stuff to talk about this week. We've got uh, a full lineup of sports this weekend. Make sure that uh, you tune in right here on 1380 The Fan 2 for NFL games. It's your home for the AFC and NFC Championship games. Chief Ravens joined in progress after Purdue basketball Sunday afternoon. And then Lions 49ers will kick off at 6.30 on Sunday, right after the conclusion of that Chiefs-Ravens game. And uh, we'll circle back here and talk about Purdue basketball real quick. And we'll keep this segment relatively brief because we've got Rob Blackman coming up in the second hour. I've got plenty of questions I want to ask him. But this is a team that looks like one of the most dominant teams, not only in the Big Ten, but in college basketball. And I don't think anybody really denies that at this point. If you disagree or agree, text us on our Parkview Sports Medicine text line 46862. Because I'll have some takes today that I hope you disagree with because I want to hear from you. And even if you agree, I still want to hear from you so we can uh, we can chat about whatever you're thinking. 46862, our Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Four straight win for the Boilermakers. This one, 99 to 67. 49 points in the first half again for Purdue. This is a team that is just lighting up the scoreboard. I don't think there's any question or denying at this point, in my opinion, that they are the best offense in the country. They are one of the most dynamic teams on that end of the floor in all of college basketball. The last four games in the first half, 47, 51, 49, and 49. Anytime you're putting up anything close to those kind of numbers, you're going to win, especially in in what is sometimes a defense-dominant league in the Big Ten. And again, this is not a team in Michigan that you know is blowing anybody's socks off. They're below 500. The four teams they've done it against, none of them are great. Okay, they got Penn State at home. Penn State's really struggling this year. First-year coach, Indiana and Iowa on the road. It is impressive that they did what they did on the road. They dominated Indiana a little bit more than they did against Iowa. But either way, they were still in full command in both of those games. And then they just absolutely blow Michigan out last night, a 32-point win. And you might be sitting to yourself, i got to imagine Purdue fans are feeling pretty good right now. Okay, I'm not one myself. And uh, you know, if you're unfamiliar with my background, IU grad, and I, all, all of my expertise is on Indiana stuff, okay? But I have closely followed the Purdue fo- uh, program for my entire life. Grew up probably with a good chunk more Purdue fans than Indiana fans in my life. It's a pretty straight-up uh, split down the middle. And when you go down and you grow up in a, a rural high school, those tend to be Purdue fans uh, with the backgrounds. Know a lot of guys in ag, know a handful of farmers and most all of those people are Purdue fans. And then you got your, your other classics. But point being, this is a Purdue team that uh, Adam is just completely dominant. And, you know, watched them last night. I've, I've watched probably 90% of Purdue's games all the way through this season. It's hard to expose the weaknesses. I'm going to try to pitch a couple of those out there in a little bit. But they are um, a completely different team than last year. And I think even though they had some dominant wins in the Big Ten last season, this is a team offensively that is just at a completely different level than last season and that uh, that plays well especially going into the tournament you know you look back at this season they've scored under 70 one time and that was a 14 point road win in the big 10 that is really really impressive they are dominating opponents they're blowing them out and they're scoring out the wazoo they've got perimeter pieces and this is even after zach Eady didn't have that great of a first half last night i mean you look back to see what he did and uh, he certainly had better halves, six points, seven rebounds. Now, that's still impactful, but it's not the ED level dominance that we've seen. 
Adam, is Purdue's depth their greatest asset? I, I think this is a, feels like kind of a softball question, but it certainly seems like that's where we're heading uh, in the back half of this Big Ten season. Absolutely. Their their depth, and it's not only their depth, it's that everybody from players 1 through 15 believes in Matt Painter's system. Uh, they all buy in. Nobody's ever going to be vying for more playing time. Nobody's ever going to be trying to produce more than what's expected of them. They're all, uh, you know, from top to bottom, from Zach Eady, you know, who sees, you know, obviously the most playing time, the, mo- the highest usage rate, right. all the way down. Everybody knows their role, and it's it's a very deep Purdue team that has uh, definitely more offense than last year, I think. You know, they've added some guys that can drive to the basket, put it on the basket, and cut towards the basket, and that's opened not only more looks for Eady because, you know, he can be passed to from one of those cutters but you know I, I also think that Edie's done a better job of uh, his passing this season as well too yeah he's definitely improved in that category it's not quite to the level of like a trace jackson davis in terms of passer but that's partially because Edie doesn't need to be an elite passer he just has to be a good passer right to facilitate the offense so this is about the time of the year right when we got into big 10 play last year everybody was talking about you know there was a very similar start for purdue they had some terrific early season non-conference wins shot at a great percentage from three when they got into the big 10 they really struggled to shoot it from distance they had some games under 30 percent they were not good consistently from the three-point line ultimately spelled their demise in the most important games of the season down the stretch and they were still one of the 10 best teams in the country nobody denies that but last year overall 32.2 percent from three 276th in division one this year they are 40 and a half percent right now that's number five in the nation given the volume that they shoot which is really just average they're an extremely efficient team from the perimeter got a text in on our text line 46862 is our parkview sports medicine text line talking about lance jones i don't think there's any denying that lance jones has been one of the the key cogs in this team that's turned it around and taken it to the next level and this is just another example of matt painter going to the portal um, even though he hasn't done that a lot. But the point is, he's found a guy that was not highly ranked this time in the portal. Sometimes it's recruiting. In fact, most times it's recruiting. But he goes to the portal, gets a guy that he has developed into an elite talent, finds the fit that he needs on offense, and he has just completely elevated this team uh, in terms of what they can do on offense. Lance Jones, a fantastic player and really fun to watch. Uh, not only does he facilitate and handle the ball better, I think, than Braden Smith, even though I, I think he's greatly improved this year, too. Uh, he just is a different type of player with more physicality and can also shoot it well from three. Yeah, and last season with Purdue, a lot of the offense, it, it, it was basically, uh, you know, defenses were aiming to stop Edie, and Edie would often have to kick it out to those open shooters, and they weren't hitting it. This season, you you know, Edie, if he gets doubled, he can pass it to someone that has the ability to create or, you know, he can pass it out to a shooter who's hitting them better this season. Let me just tell you that Lance Jones, and this is hard to believe, and he is a good shooter, okay? And this is even leaving out, uh, well, you know what? Just for fun, we'll, in, we'll include Cameron Heidi, okay? Yeah. So there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys that are shooting at least... 35%. Lance Jones, at least by just straight-up stats, even though he's by far taken the most, is the seventh-best three-point shooter on Purdue's team. That is incredible. <laughs> 36%. Braden Smith's at 43%. Lawyer's at 44%. Trey Kaufman-Wren, who doesn't take very many, is 44%. Colvin's 43%. I, I just like every everything that these guys do... 
they can bring guys off the bench. I mean, even last night, Ethan Morton steps into the game, and uh, he makes an impact. They just have so many dudes that can do it, and this is the most experienced team in the Big Ten. There's no question that uh, this is the team to beat, even though Wisconsin's in first place right now. And I, I think no questions are really going to be answered, okay? This is a weaker Big Ten than last year. No doubt about it. It's a Purdue team that lost to Indiana twice last season. It's a Purdue team that had some really disappointing uh, games down the stretch uh, as they were headed toward their Big Ten championship. Didn't end up you know, cost them that big in terms of tournament seating or anything like that. They went on to win the Big Ten tournament. But uh, they had the, the disappointing loss to Northwestern, which they backed up with another one this year. They had the back-to-back losses against Northwestern and Maryland. But both of those two teams last year were better than they are this year. And so I, I just think looking at this schedule going down uh, the final 10, 12 games of the season, I just don't think there's any way that Purdue does not end up being a one seed. To me, they have the best resume by far, even though you could maybe make the argument that UConn is better in terms of tournament seeding. Purdue has the resume right now. UConn has all these quad four wins, and so those are not that impressive. The The resume for Purdue is undisputed right now. Ken Palm has them at number two behind Houston, but Houston's resume isn't that great, even though they did get a good win last night against BYU. Purdue is uh, still, at this point, in my opinion, a uh, championship favorite with the best player in the country. And every time you get down the stretch with a couple, couple teams, three, four, five teams that you feel like we're debating, these are the best teams in the country – you always have to err on the side of who's got the best player and the fact that they've got all the experience in the world. So I, I just think it's produced to lose right now. And we'll see how the you know injuries can always happen the last couple months of the season. Big Ten's tough. It's difficult, and it's a physical league. And we'll talk much more about Purdue Hoops coming up in the second hour with Purdue Radio Voice Rob Blackman. Before we get there, time for today's top headlines. Adam Lundy. All right. Thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. Nor- former Northside High School defensive coordinator Thomas Tyree has been named the head football coach at Southwood High School in Wabash. In three years at Northside, Tyree helped lead the Legends to 13 wins, including an 8-3 mark in 2022. Tyree will take over a Southwood team that is coming off of a 5-6 and six season in 2023. Doc Rivers has reached an agreement in principle to become the next coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Rivers, an ESPN NBA analyst who most recently led the 76ers to three consecutive trips to the Eastern Conference semifinals, emerged as a top target immediately after the dismissal of Adrian Griffin. Despite having the second best record in the Eastern Conference, the Bucks fired Griffin only 43 games into his head coaching career, largely because the organization came to believe it could find an upgrade who gave the team a better chance to compete for a championship, sources said. More NBA news. The Portland Trailblazers are filing a protest with the NBA to challenge the results of a 111-109 loss to the Thunder last night. The Blazers are contending that Coach Chauncey Billups with a 109-108 lead 108 lead was clearly calling a timeout on the sideline before a referee whistled a double dribble on Malcolm Brogdon with 15 seconds left in the fourth quarter in OKC. Billups was assessed two technical fouls, including a second after marching onto the floor to argue and was ejected in the final seconds of the game. Announced last week as the 30th member of the ECHL beginning play in the 24-25 season, the expansion team in Bloomington, Illinois today announced it will be known as the Bloomington Bison. Interesting name. And one more story for you here. Joel Erickson reporting not too long ago that Indianapolis Colts defensive line coach Nate Ollie and assistant defensive backs coach Mike Mitchell will not return to the Colts next season. Both spent two years in Indianapolis. Those are your top stories, Derek. Thank you, Adam. Do you like the word bison? Do you like the team name bison? 
I didn't know bison were like an Illinois type thing. When I think of bison, yeah. I think of the Great Plains personally. Aren't the bison on like the the penny or like the something in Illinois Silver with dollar? Lincoln? I don't know. There's there's some correlation with Lincoln, and this is why we do sports and not talk about like history lessons. Four six eight six two. If you can tell <laughs> us the connection yeah. between Illinois and bison, that'd be great. How does that work? Tell me how bison are connected with Illinois. And granted, it is a uh, a state that definitely is farther west than Indiana when you think about the history of the U.S. and, you know, it's been Chicago-based for so long. A lot of people forget that the rest of Illinois is very similar to Indiana. Very true. Because uh, <laughs> everybody <laughs> talks about Chicago. Even people in Indiana yeah, uh, just talk about the region in Chicago. But I, I've got to say that I, I think the the way that that all shakes out, whether they put them in the Central Division and how things are going to balance out in the ECHL, very interesting to follow and excited to talk to Shane Albrani about that soon. And uh, our other guys in the ECHL, Justin Cohn has been a, a member of this program numerous different times, and we'll be talking to him in the coming weeks about that and about the changes going on around the ECHL. we got to take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Pacers. Rick Carlisle got tossed. You wonder, is Pascal Siakam the answer? It's way too early to tell, but the tease is, hey, is this the guy that will make them better? Or is it Tyrese Halliburton being out that's impacting them so much right now? And then later on in this first hour, we'll talk Doc Rivers, more NBA. And later today, Rob Blackman coming up for the Purdue Radio Voice. We'll chat more Boilermaker basketball. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This is Maria Marcasano, head women's basketball coach at Purdue Fort Wayne. And you're listening to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. the Dons yesterday. Holy cow. Chicago State putting up over the century mark. Triple yeah. digits in the Windy City. Dominant win and uh, one of their best performances on the road in the history of PFW women's basketball, including uh, once they've been uh, made the transition to Division One. Absolutely impressive win by Coach uh, Mark Sano's team. Okay, so we've got to talk about NBA hoops, but before we get there, we got a couple of texts in, and okay, apparently a mind blank about there being bison on the Indiana uh, state seal or the state logo. I think it's yeah, the seal. It's the seal. Right. Uh, which is interesting because I've definitely dealt with that seal a number of times working down the hall in the in the newsroom on Wobo. <laughs> uh, but hey, that's, I guess, part of the deal. It goes back to the 1800s. I will say, so growing up in Wells County down at Obachi State Park, there are bison down there. There, there are. are also bison in Huntington County. So I guess if you want to see them in person... Uh, maybe you can bring one and make an appearance on the sports rush. <laughs> okay, lots of NBA headlines. I'm not typically a guy that will spend a million hours on the NBA, but there's so much going on right now, not only with the Pacers here locally, but also across the nation. And uh, notably, the, the biggest thing is the Doc Rivers whole fiasco that's been going on over the last 24 hours. It has been confirmed now that he will be the head coach. Um, it, This has ripple effects in multiple different ways. Number one... ESPN just lost part of their three-person broadcast team that was expected to be their lead team going into the finals this year. And so it looks like ESPN just coming out this afternoon, uh, ESPN is reportedly leaning towards Doris Burke being the lone analyst alongside Mike Breen. So that's kind of what they're feeling like right now. It's a tough situation for ESPN. The biggest thing I want to talk about in this whole deal with Doc Rivers is how the heck... Did CNN Sports 
break this news. And who is CNN Sports? They haven't had a show since the 90s, okay? They used to rival Sports Center. They had the, the CNN Tonight thing or whatever. We're even talking about before my lifetime. But the fact that this news broke on TNT in the middle of their doubleheader last night, it came out that, and they attributed it to CNN, and the reaction even on the set live was like, CN- what? CNN what? <laughs> Who from CNN is saying this? And the, it was just CNN Sports is the thing that came out. So it kind of threw the the uh, sports world and the basketball world in particular into a frenzy, and me included, when I came out and saw that news. I just didn't really know how to respond. They were still the only outlet saying that it was actually a done deal. There were some conflicting reports late last night, early this morning, that a deal is in the works, and they're discussing things right now, but it's not a done deal. And, you know, even with you, if, if you typed in Doc Rivers CNN this morning on Google at 9 a.m., there still was all the, the stories that came up said the deal is in progress, but it is not done. Yet they reported last night on TNT that it was done and attributed to CNN Sports. There's something really weird going on here. CNN Sports has not had a presence again for 25 years. Basically, my entire life, they have not had any kind of presence on anything in the NBA. Also, one would think that the current employer of Doc Rivers would maybe have the inside track on a scoop if he was going to get hired by the Bucks. Am I off base here? I mean, this is just crazy to me. I, I don't understand how this is happening. Certainly came out of nowhere. And, I mean, you, you saw a lot of memes on Twitter about it. Like, <laughs> who even is CNN Sports? I know it's one of you on here on Twitter just uh, messing right, around and, right. and, and pulling a fast one on somebody. But, yeah, it's, I, I have no idea who CNN Sports is. I don't know who the reporter is for CNN Sports that there, broke there the story. There isn't really a reporter because CNN Sports doesn't right. really exist. Even right. if you go to, like, their website, like CNN Sports, <laughs> nothing came <laughs> up last night. Talking about Doc Rivers. So I, I'm serious. Like, I don't right. know what's happened here. Hopefully we'll find out in the next couple of days really how this all went down. It has been confirmed now by multiple different outlets. I think it's reputable and and uh, safe enough to say that he is going to be the coach of the Bucks. One of the other storylines here, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, by the way, 46862, if you want to join in on the conversation and, and talk to us about this whole Doc Rivers thing. Um, one of the other things that happened yesterday is talking about how this whole thing got here with the Bucks, okay? And apparently it goes back to the Pacers. Okay, so Adrian Griffin allegedly said that to the stars, to Bucks stars, told them that sacrifice was required during a kind of an airing out session, if you will, during the in-season tournament. Right after they lost to the Pacers, Adrian Griffin's like, you got to make a sacrifice and kind of blew him up and then allegedly lost the locker room over time after that game even after the Bucks went on a little bit of a run, started winning a bunch of games, they have had issues with the Pacers. It's so interesting to see the Pacers like stuck in the middle of a big NBA thing. I mean, how many times can we say that? But they are one of the interesting, most storyline-full teams in the NBA right now between the Halliburton injury now. Uh, hopefully that doesn't last too long. Talking about the next couple of uh, games Halliburton's going to be out Pascal Siakam making his home debut last night wasn't his Gamebridge Fieldhouse debut but it was his Gamebridge Fieldhouse debut in a Pacers jersey and I think once things get moving in that direction you will see the two-man game just take things to another level this is a guy remembering Halliburton that's averaging up near 13 assists a game I don't think there's any question how the offense is going to flow it's already one of the most historically dominant offenses in the history of the NBA ever and extremely impressive. But uh, I, I, again, circling back here, 
to the Doc Rivers before we break down Siakam and, and how he impacts the Pacers, Adam. Just the wackiest thing. And uh, we've got a text in here. Uh, good friend Mike Maz is tuned in. And by the way, loved working with Maz during the summer. Uh, Tin Caps, fellow Tin Caps broadcaster, has been there uh, almost as long as I've been alive. Actually, you go back into the early 2000s, and all of our Texers, glad to hear from them. But we are having fun today. And <laughs> Fred Hickman, Nick Charles were the two guys back in the day that were CNN stars. And I again, they had like this Sports Center type show. And actually, I was genuinely just kind of learning about this. I guess this this kind of makes me seem like either a uh, a Gen Zer or something like that that is young and naive. And I'm happy to admit that I'm young and naive, but <laughs> I am talking about this today. And we get a chance to discuss the NBA again, which I don't typically do. But I'm just saying, like. Text me if you watch CNN Sports back in the day. Because it's going to be outside Adam and I's timeline. I Yeah. I, it is. It just is. That's just the way it is. So if you watched it back in the day, text me your memories, what you remember from CNN Sports. 46862 is the text line to chat with us. And uh, I'd love to talk about some of these memories because I'm kind of in the dark here. And... I just, I still am trying to wrap my head around how this whole thing happened. All right, while we get that on the burner, let's put that to the backside of the stove and talk about Pascal Siakam. You think he's been fine? I mean, the numbers are okay. There's nothing spectacular yet so far. It's way too small of a sample size. I'm not trying to get out here and be the guy that says, hey, maybe this wasn't the right trade. I think by all accounts, at least on the surface, it looks like the Pacers won the trade. It's encouraging to see them spend money and go out and try to win now and expecting to play out for the next several years of the future. This is a super young core of a team. Big picture here, a group that has tons of guys to work around. Adam, you think that it is more about Halliburton being sidelined right now or more about Siakam trying to settle into this new offense? I, I do think it's more about Tyrese being out. He's the guy that kind of runs the offense, and you know we see how many assists he gets per game, and I think that he does a great job of running the offense. And and right now they're the the Pacers are just trying to kind of figure out how to play with this new addition of Pascal Siakam, but they're doing it without basically the the, the cornerstone of their team, which is kind of I would assume very difficult. So right. I, I think once we see Tyrese get back on the floor, we're going to see the ball get moving around a lot more. Uh, we're going to see better, you know. I, I think Pascal's going to open up a little bit more, and, and uh, yeah, that's what I would have to say about it. Yeah, I, I think I can kind of tend to agree with that. I, I think at some point the Pacers are going to turn the corner once Halliburton gets healthy. Don't exactly know when that's going to be. It's it, it, it was announced before the Nuggets game yesterday that he'd be out the next three games, including yesterday. Um, so there's some hope on the horizon here. There's no reason to be seriously concerned at this point about a long-term injury. But the point is, it is exciting to see those two guys play together. And I think Pacers fans are just kind of waiting around for that to happen. And then once it does, we need a, probably a, about a month or two months of healthy games for both guys to really get a feel for how they're going to work together on offense. I would agree. But, I mean, just from his three games so far, we've seen good signs averaging 17.3 points, almost seven rebounds, and almost five assists. So good stats to start off here with uh, for Pascal. But I think once we see the addition of Tyrese Halliburton on the floor as well, I think we're just going to see more balanced offense than what we've been seeing from the Pacers. Yeah, so, again... If you got memories from CNN Sports, let me know. Yeah. Because I, I don't know anything about CNN Sports other than apparently they had a show that rivaled Sports Center. They talked about it and had two guys named uh, Fred Hickman and Nick Charles. But that's the extent of my knowledge on CNN Sports. But plenty of other stuff going on in the sports world. We were talking about Purdue hoops in the first segment. And 
On the other side of that, you've got a guy in Juwan Howard that is on the burning hot seat right now, in my opinion. There are some rumors even floating around out there yesterday that he may get the axe after last night's game. Now, I think it's still unlikely. You know, it's rare to see a college coach especially get fired in the middle of the season. I know things haven't gone well, but he's had his own personal health issues that have nothing to do with basketball. And so I, I think it'd be a kind of a bad PR look for Michigan to to nix him at some point during the season. It's just a, a difficult thing for the university to to try to grapple with. And I'm not listen, I'm not out here to, you know, play the world's smallest violin for Michigan. Okay. <laughs> I, I could really care less. They got themselves a football national championship. That should be good enough to last you like ten years. Okay. So you, you really can't complain about anything else. But you look at attendance, by the way, and it is stunk. They they have a they're they're not good. Okay. I mean they're not good. And the attendance has been terrible at Michigan games. I've been there a few times in person when they've been decently good, like borderline top 25. So nothing like crazy, but pretty solid toward the top half of the Big Ten. And to be fair, one time I was there on a Sunday afternoon, which can be kind of hit or miss. But both times, of course, they were playing Indiana, and there were a lot of lot of cream and crimson in the building. Just kind of dead environment. It it just, it's not good. And Juwan Howard was looked at as the savior and all this stuff and he's going to continue the legacy of john beeline which certainly has not happened uh things have gone south here in a hurry they've been a mess and again it's it's hard to imagine at this point in the season we have a team that is going through more turmoil at least on a uh you know a, a national type level team michigan's not a blue blood program but they are a high major program that has significant following because of what they've done in football and a big fan base big alumni base everything else so they get some attention nationally I can't believe there's a team in more turmoil in the Big Ten than Indiana, but it's definitely Michigan, and there's no question about it. With the suspension for only road games and all this stuff playing in, they were without Doug McDaniel last night, and so Llewellyn was running the point, and it was just a disaster. And I'm not really taking this one thing. Please don't act like I'm just saying, hey, they got blown out by Purdue, and so, you know, that that's not the case. Like, everybody's no. getting blown out by Purdue, okay? And, yeah. This is not a good basketball team. The metrics do like them a little bit better than they are in terms of Ken Palm. They're actually um, rated dozens of spots higher than uh, Indiana at this point. And when you look back, it's not dozens. It's actually 15, but whatever. <laughs> it's a 7-12 and 12 team that right. has just lost every ounce of momentum that they even remotely had. They had the one bad loss in the non-con to Long Beach State. That was really it. They don't have any horrible, horrible losses. They did play a pretty challenging non-con schedule, but uh, I don't know who their best win is. Maybe Iowa on the road. They just don't have any great wins, and part of that's because the Big Ten is down some. Then they lost to McNeese State, who, by the way, I just want to keep in perspective here, is ranked ahead of Indiana and Ken Palm. But they have lost seven out of their last eight games. The lone win, a rivalry game against Ohio State, in a weird noon tip-off on MLK Day a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Actually, I, I got a chance to watch that entire game, um, in case you're wondering. feel like I'm exposing myself. But <laughs> if you do listen to WoWo, and I'm in the newsroom during the day, and there's basketball on, I'm probably watching. So wow. My, my, uh, my productivity level goes down. So a peek behind the curtain there of the life yeah. of Derek Decker. But you, right. you said it, Michigan's definitely the most struggling team in They're the Big Ten. Two and six in the conference on the season. Uh, the only other team with two wins so far is Rutgers, which I will say is also a little bit surprising. But uh, I, I mean, I just feel like Rutgers is always at least middle of the Big Ten. But Michigan, not impressive at all. And you said it, you know, I know McNeese is kind of higher in Ken Palm, but, you know, they're still. You got to win that game. Got to win that game. So Nick Stauskas, uh, if you guys are 
kind of hardcore, either a Michigan fan or a hardcore Big Ten fan. You certainly remember the name Nick Stauskas. Oh, played yeah. back in the mid-early 2010s, and I, I loved watching him growing up. He was in some great battles with uh, a Michigan team that was right at the top of the conference. You know, they had some some pretty epic clashes with Indiana at that time. That's the best couple Indiana teams that uh, that they've had in the last 25 years. Um, and he tweeted last night and said this, Quote, these kids have no respect or understanding of what it means to put on that M, haven't felt any kind of passion or love for the game from Michigan basketball in years. Which basically sums up the entire Juwan Howard tenure, and that's that's pretty frustrating coming from a former player. Like, I feel like there's a certain point where it really becomes real. Like, you have fans complaining and fans throw a fit, but when you have, like, Guys that have been impactful players in the past. This is not a bench rider that got in the game every few minutes and now he's just made himself a social media following. That's not the case with Nick Stauskas, a legitimate talent that had a great impact for uh, a championship-level Michigan team during that time. And, man, I know it was bad yesterday with uh, with Purdue and, and as good as they are, and I don't want to spend too much more time on Michigan basketball unless we've got fans that are listening, Texas of 46862. But... Uh, it's just it's it feels like it's almost at a floor point right now for Michigan. I don't know if it can get a whole lot worse for the Wolverines right now. Um, you know what is the floor? Maybe, maybe we haven't reached the floor yet, and that's kind of scary to think about. But been just toasted the last couple of games. They hung around Illinois for a little bit at home, but ended up losing by fifteen. I don't know, man. And then, of course, in the background, Jim Harbaugh is interviewing with the Chargers. So <laughs> it's it's all not good right now for Michigan. And I know it, it's so unbelievable to say that. We're still in the same month, barely weeks removed from Michigan winning a national championship in football. And things have, like, gotten considerably worse since then. I, yeah, I mean, not a, I just haven't been really thrilled with the makeup of Michigan basketball roster. I mean, you've got three guys that are scoring over 10 points a game, but after that, it's just not a lot of offense. They're not, no. not a lot of production. No, and it's interesting, too. Uh, we got a text in, and, and this is something that I forgot to bring up here, but I was also kind of forgetting that it had happened. Was the coach of the year in 2021 during that Elite Eight run? This is year five for Juwan Howard, and it has gotten nothing but worse literally every single year. Outside of he did grow a little bit from 2020, best team in 21. And then a couple of years, the last two years are barely above 500. They're 7 and 12 this year. And uh, like all adjusted categories, they're going down in. This year, they have a historically poor defense that is ranked in the 150s in college basketball, and that is not going to work in the Big Ten. you got to find a way to get stops. Um, but I, I kind of forgot that he had been named Coach of the Year, too. Yeah. It just, man, what what a disaster for Michigan. All right, got to take another break. We come back. We've got so much more on tap today. I'm going to bring up, I know this happened a couple days ago, but I want to take a different angle on it. Caitlin Clark's whole running into the fan thing going down. Also want to chat about women's basketball rising in popularity. Don't at me. Actually do. 46862 is our Parkview Sports Medicine text line. Always want to hear your thoughts. And you can sign up for the free fan club email list. Sign up at 1380thefan.com by clicking on the On Demand tab or by texting the word FAN to 46862. End of the first hour coming up on the Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Closing down the first hour of the Sports Rush today, Derek Decker is in for Brett Rump. Adam Lundy is aboard, too, producing the show, and we are happy to have you along on this very foggy Wednesday. Two days in a row, my man, yeah. we've had fog, big time. It's 
been rough. Uh, it's not quite uh, pea soup out there, but it's <laughs> it's definitely at least a chicken soup out there in in regards to density, I would say. Yeah, and it's one where you have to like it's like those annoying ones. I, listen, as yeah. a glasses wearer, oh, it's one where it you go outside anytime it rains lightly, it just the droplets just stick on your glasses. Little film. Right. If you if it rains hard, it's no problem because it just rolls right off. But <laughs> when when it's like mist or a light rain, it just absolutely stinks. So I hate that. Um, you know, I I it's like yeah, it's barely a, enough to put your hood up too if you're wearing like a raincoat. So and it's the same on your windshield. It's it's kind of right. just like those tiny droplets <laughs> that just stick, and and you have to keep your windshield wiper going faster than it needs to. Exactly, and then it like drags, and then it like does that weird catching sound yeah it's it's all kind of ugly but we're in winter and i'm glad to be talking sports today rather than be down the hall and whoa whoa spent the time down there today and uh listen i love news i do i really do i that's why i i do the job that i do i have a passion for it but uh, i also have a passion for talking about things that happen in the summit city and across the state and across the country and that's why i'm down here today also brett is on the road and getting ready for northern kentucky tomorrow the dons tip off Against NKU, the North 645 is the pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off. And hope you can catch that right here on 1380 The Fan. We've got a packed lineup, too, this weekend. We talked about Wayne and Bishop Lures coming up on Friday night, and that'll be a fun matchup. Can't decide yet, after watching last night's game, if it's going to be like a a game in the 80s or a game in the 50s. Like I'm just not right. sure how it's going to play out. Probably somewhere in between. Somewhere, yeah, maybe 70s, <laughs> somewhere in there. But I feel uh, like that's a wide range. It's like when the... When they say between two and seven inches of snow, like, <laughs> yeah, that, okay, thanks, thanks for nothing. Um, and then later on on Sunday, it's a busy lineup too. Purdue takes on Rutgers on the road, and then we've got a doubleheader of NFL football with the AFC and NFC championships. Chiefs Ravens get the afternoon game, and then uh, Lions Niners at 6:30. Excited to to watch those couple of games, and not going to spend too much time in the NFL today, but Adam. What do you like this weekend? I mean, what kind of tickles your fancy with these two teams? Uh, a couple of teams looking for pretty historic wins. We've got an elite, elite quarterback matchup in one game and then a, a really fun matchup in the second game. You said it. Uh, I think it's going to be a fantastic Sunday of football. Uh, Kansas City, Baltimore, you get Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. Hard to complain about that matchup at all. Uh, I think it really comes down to if Baltimore's defense can get to Patrick Mahomes and kind of prevent him yeah. from being the player that he can be. And then if the uh, Baltimore's offensive line just clears the space for uh, Lamar to kind of just run around and, and make the plays that he does. But uh, that'll be an exciting matchup. On the other one, I think it's kind of a, a Detroit-San Francisco. It's kind of a, a battle of big plays versus uh, system, methodical. You know, True. San Francisco, you just got kind of methodically moving it up the field with their run game and smart, just quick pass plays from from Brock Purdy versus the Detroit Lions that come in, kind of look to make the big plays with Jared Goff throwing downfield to some of their fun receivers. And, yeah, that's kind of what I'm I'm looking forward to in those two matchups. So sure. I heard zero picks in there. Oh, no, I'm I'm, I'm saving the picks for All later right. this I week, my it. man. I love it. I Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't get a chance to, oh, yeah, you uh, can to make step yours. on – I would like to say that I think the Lions uh, are going to go on the road and get a, a massive win. That mm. said, the Niners, with what they went through last year in the NFC Championship, it's kind of hard to watch, to be honest with you. Like it just, it, it was tough. Everything, yeah. the way it all played out, kind of you know, the, the wheels fell off the wagon a little big bit, time, big time. <laughs> and, and a lot of it was out of their control. Sure. At the other side, you get Chiefs and Ravens. I am a certified Lamar Jackson hater. 
I, uh, <laughs> I I have never defended anything that he can do in the playoffs. People talking yeah. about a win that he did that he had last week over a, a rookie quarterback. Great win, yes. They pulled away in the second half, but that was a lot closer than the final score. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be a force for years to come in the playoffs, and I hope so because I like watching young quarterbacks succeed. But uh, Lamar's playoff stats are just completely underwhelming, and uh, I don't know. I as I've said multiple times, I think. The Chiefs are the champs until somebody beats them. And so I, I like the Chiefs and Lions. I'm actually going with both road teams this week. But uh, looking forward to a really exciting day of football. And if you're in your car or listening along, you can hear that right here on 1380 The Fan. Um, I, I want to preview what's going to happen in our next hour. We've teased the fact that we're going to have Rob Blackman on coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes. But I also want to talk about women's basketball and the rise that it has had. Uh, Iowa and Ohio State last week. The storyline that comes out of it is the whole Caitlin Clark incident on court storming. However, it was the most watched regular season women's college basketball game since 2010. And the fact that this was on NBC and not Peacock makes a big difference. It was on a Sunday afternoon with very little competition. Maryland and Michigan State was its biggest competition. And it was basically a lead in. It wasn't a lead in in terms of channel, but it was something to prepare the appetite for the NFL football playoffs coming up later that day. And so really exciting to see that happen. I have been uh, covering women's college basketball for five or six years, you know, got really invested when I got into college, must admit, you know, didn't pay that much attention to it now and then, you know, I watched some of the tournament and stuff and every now and then a regular season game before I got to college, just cause I like basketball. But then once I got into college, specifically the big 10 started covering and following the big 10, I went to the big 10 tournament every year. It was in Indianapolis when I was in college, loved doing games there. Uh, I think the environment was really cool. It was it was great to see the way that women's fan bases traveled in. You know, it's always great when Purdue is good in women's basketball. I was at Mackey Arena on Sunday watching the Hoosiers and Boilers uh, fight it out. Ended up being a terrific game. Indiana held on to win by six in that rivalry game, but almost 12,000 pack in Mackey Arena. Great to see. And all that stuff is good for women's basketball. What is good or not good for women's basketball is Caitlin Clark, and that is up for debate. And, and again, I don't want to like just keep hammering this point. I know it's been covered ad nauseum on this show and on the morning show, and other things have other places have talked about it in uh, in sports radio. But I do want to get your take on Caitlin Clark, not specifically on the court storming incident, but broadly as a player. Okay, is she a ambassador for the sport or has she now become a villain for the sport and i'm going to take a, a side on that i personally to me it feels like she has become kind of uh, a villain when i first watched her as a freshman it was during the covid year there was basically no fans at gamebridge field house and uh was up there covering indiana but iowa had played the second game so i stuck around for that me and my broadcast partner uh watched that game and it was the first time I had seen Caitlin Clark in person. This is before she was a nationwide name, okay? Uh, what I observed just watching the way that that team interacted. By the way, they had a really good big at that time. And so now it's like the Caitlin Clark show. And they have a few other options too. But it's definitely, they're all in on the Caitlin Clark show, as they should be. Um, but to me, it didn't feel like Caitlin Clark's teammates enjoyed playing with her. I think it's a different level now because of all the media attention. But that was before... Uh, last year's national championship. It was before the antics. It was before she started crossing these unbelievable, what we thought were going to be unattainable thresholds in college basketball. And uh, the question now is, 
has she become a player that teams love to hate or fans love to hate? I'm watching this game because I want to see her lose. How many people do you feel like tuned into that Ohio State-Iowa game to say, we want to see an upset today? And how much of that is driven by, we don't like Caitlin Clark? Because, <laughs> listen, my, my opinion has transformed, as I said. Like, I, I started with, okay, I don't know if players like playing with her, but she's really good, and she's a great scorer. But how much, how sustainable is this for Iowa? Can they can they turn this into a top five program, national championship program? The next year they turn around and get upset in their own regional at home, okay, against a Creighton team that was a team of destiny. Different story. <laughs> the next year, last year, they play against LSU in the national championship. Kind of got dominated in the second half. So I'm still not certain that this is you know championship formula. I think it's going to really tarnish your college legacy if they don't get a championship this year. Because it all signs point to the Indiana Fever picking her in the first with the first pick of uh, of this year's draft coming up for the WNBA. But uh, I don't know y- your thoughts, Adam. Like to me, she has become a player that I don't necessarily hate, but I also don't mind seeing her lose, even though I have to watch because I don't know when she's going to pop in a forty footer and she does it all the time. I think she's gradually become more and more polarizing, so you're seeing more and more people take one side or the other on yeah. whether or not they want to see her win or whether they want to see her lose, and that's become that's she's become more polarizing as a result of kind of her rise to stardom and uh, showing a little bit more of her uh, personality, I would say. But yeah, um, to draw from a little bit of my NBA experience, a team that it almost reminds me of is Carmelo Anthony on the Knicks. Mm. Just a, yeah. just someone that can do nothing but shoot and put up a lot of scoring and a lot of insane numbers, but your team never gets anywhere. Yeah, and make funny comments during like timeouts. I remember going back and watching a Mike Woodson clip with uh, with Melo yeah. and just like ignoring him during a timeout. He's like <laughs> just, drawn up the play, and Mike's like, "Can you please just pay attention for like fifteen seconds? Like no. that's all I need." And now he's just like, "Just just give me the ball, man." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, there's there's so many good things to talk about with with uh, NBA stars over the years, but. That's the thing, right? Women's college basketball has exploded in popularity over the last couple of years, in large part because of Caitlin Clark. Does that mean in the long run it's probably going to be a good thing for the game? Yes. Right now, does it mean it's good for fan engagement? Probably. But I don't know how many people are like saying, I just really want to see her win a championship because she's this unbelievable player. Okay. When we talked about Sabrina several years ago at Oregon, right? She had some of the similar numbers as Caitlin Clark. And I, I think that is the kind of player that didn't have this overarching personality. That didn't say, hey, everybody come look at me. You're watching the game because of me. We're going to pause on this conversation. We're going to talk about it more in the second hour. Coming up right after the break, Rob Blackman from Purdue. We'll talk about the Boilermakers and everything they did to pick apart the Michigan Wolverines last night at Mackey Arena. That's straight ahead in hour number two. Derek Decker in for Brett Rump with Adam Lundy on the Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.